Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we have the Game King himself, Sean <laughs> Elysium Sands. Thank you, thank you. Greetings and salutations. Uh, so today, we're going to be celebrating five years of StarCraft and talking about our experience with the Legacy of the Void uh, expansion, which is in beta right now, and talking a little bit about uh, how StarCraft and the pro scene around it have changed uh, for the better and for the worse over the course of five years. So, Sean, let's let's start uh, you know, with what's probably the, the, the biggest thing happening in the, in the StarCraft world right now, which is Legacy of the Void. And we've both had a chance to play around a little bit with it, and and um, we wrote our first impressions articles a, a little while ago, and I think we both played a little more since then. But I, I think we, we had an interesting sort of divergence when we first sort of encountered this. I was really positive about a lot of the changes I saw coming down in Legacy of the Void. And you seemed very skeptical because to you it seemed like they were sort of doubling down on the things that have created problems for StarCraft in terms of, in terms of like audience accessibility and appeal. Yeah, and I don't really think... Feel like having played it further and and gotten some more time in, I feel like I'm pretty much in that same place. Um, you know, the experience of and, and again, I think this is really focused on the multiplayer aspect uh, as opposed to the single player aspect because there's really nothing to comment on about that except the prologue at this point. And you know, we we can get into that in a minute. But from the multiplayer aspect, I would say even more so, even in the changes I've seen through the Legacy of the Void beta um, and getting to play it again more recently, I think that 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 sense of overwhelming work to do is one a huge barrier for entry for new players. And mm -hmm. I don't think you're even hearing Blizzard talk about new players really. I mean, that doesn't even seem like it's really on their radar it doesn't seem like they're trying to you know reach out and, and get you know people you know uh, who haven't played the starcraft starcraft 2 before uh into the mix if anything i think they're trying to you know gather back up the people who have sort of you know wandered off and my problem with that is more than likely the things that made them wander off are still the hallmarks of legacy of the void there's a lot of micromanagement and again you know as as we we're talking back a few uh, a couple of months ago archon mode is sort of it's sort of the quintessential ex example of that it's saying oh there's so much to do and we want you so involved in the micro that we're going to have two of you do the same job as one person and i mean and, and we've played some games there as well and it really encourages you like okay i'm just going to focus on these sort of micro moments in the game i'm going to be that much more focused on the economy and you know getting things going and expansions um because now i don't have to worry about the fighting and the and the actual battle because my friend is taking care of that which to me is a really kind of it, it's a little bit of a bizarre design philosophy because it's actually it's actually almost like you're an employee of starcraft too in a way it's like you know when 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 I go play a game, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have great battles, and it and StarCraft Two is more like, no, you're gonna have lots of uh, uh, tasks to do. We have this agenda sheet we've laid out for you, yeah. yeah. And I feel like, I mean, those same concerns. To the point, I haven't really moved off of that. I definitely feel like Legacy of the Void is perhaps the, the you know StarCraft Two at its microiest. Yeah, and it's you know it's interesting because when I'm so last year I was at BlizzCon. And I think it may, have, it may have been BlizzCon, it may have been a different event I was at where they were sort of unveiling Legacy of the Void. 
And I had a chance to sit down with David Kim, who's the balance designer and, uh, you know, sort of the lead designer of everything that happens with, with StarCraft. He's And for better and worse, he's sort of the guy everyone blames and uh, mm-hmm. credits for, for positive and negative changes in StarCraft. And when I sat down with him, I was like, you know, the first thing I brought up in our interview was accessibility, right? Like, how are you going to get this, uh, how are you going to make StarCraft maybe a little more playable, a little more enjoyable for people who aren't at, you know, Diamond League and above uh, skill levels in StarCraft? And, you know, he sort of just looked at me and then said, well, actually, I think we're, we're making this, the skill ceiling even higher in this game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those moments where, like, you know, as, as a reporter... You just sort of stay impassive, but it was one of those moments where I wanted to like fling my notebook across the <laughs> across the room uh, because it's interesting because even pros like I remember um uh, Rhett on Team Liquid was talking about uh, like this was months ago and he was he was on Twitter talking about a friend of his who was, who was getting into StarCraft and he, he realized like watching his friend like the game isn't fun uh, mm-hmm. for for someone getting into it it's not fun for a huge long time while you get over that learning curve. And I, I think, yeah, that is probably the, the big problem that, that Starcraft faces. And and I think Archon mode was kind of intended to alleviate that. I have slight concerns. Anytime you, you do say like, like, like you pointed out, you have tasks now, right? Mm -hmm. Anytime your solution is, boy, this is, this is more game than you can handle, but maybe with a friend, uh, you'll be able to play it like a competent person. Anytime, like that's a solution. I'm, I'm not sure you. Hit, that is a real solution. Yeah, because it doesn't feel totally uh, um, genuine to what I think they want to market it as as a co-op mode, right? I mean, it, it has that component to it. But when you t- when you think about like a video game co-op mode, if you think you know, most of the time it's two people sort of performing the same tasks and complementing each other with those tasks. You know, if you're if you're in co-op mode in a shooter, you're both nobody's nobody's sort of back like doing the books. You know, has the little visor on, like you go yeah. shoot the guys. I, I got I got this for you, and that's you know that's that's not the the feel. I don't get that kind of co-op feeling in the same way. It's great. It, I mean, it, again, it's it's right to its competitive aspect because you know as you and I were playing, there was a lot of that sort of you know. That, that that kind of team component to it, like we were kind of coaching each other. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what you're doing. Here's what I need. Here's what you need. And that that's kind of cool because that doesn't exist in a lot of other games. Um, but it, it felt like that that five layers deep scenario, right? You can't just sort of come into that and hit that. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it feels a little antithetical to everything else Blizzard is doing. Um, you look at Hearthstone and Hearthstone is extremely successful right now um and while it has you know maybe increasing complexity just due to the addition of cards it really is this very simple elegant design of a card game it doesn't go down the route of magic where you have you know 14 cards played at the same time and you're sort of you know going through the stack um heroes of the storm is the same way it is the it, it is a much more sort of natural elegant easier to approach version of all the other, you know, of Dota and League of Legends out there. And StarCraft is sort of charting its own territory here, which says we're going to be the hardest of hardcores. You know, there is, I don't know that there's a harder real-time strategy game out there right now that has a, you know, a a decent following than, than StarCraft 2 in any of its incarnations. 
Well, at this point, there's barely an RTS genre. Well, there's. Uh, I mean, there. that's another part of the problem, right? But I, I think um, I'm of a, a couple different minds here, and when we should we should maybe like talk a little more in detail about what's different yeah. in Legacy yeah. of the Void because this is one of these things where Legacy of the Void is really interesting because your typical StarCraft expansion usually follows a a standard template. And I think Brood War set the the standard for what you want from an expansion, right? It advances the story. Yeah, okay. But then it's also going to introduce some new units that are going to both revamp the game, but also fix its flaws. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the intent with uh, Heart of the Swarm, but I think in retrospect, that turned out to be a pretty bad expansion. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel yeah. like a lot of the things they introduced weren't all that fun. Uh, and mm -hmm. as the game matured, those flaws just became clearer and clearer. With Legacy of the Void, I really feel like they're reinventing a lot of, of core things. They're no longer just introducing a new unit here and there. But I feel like they're really uh, redefining faction identities. But at the same time, they're also completely changing the strategic level of the game that you're used to after you know five years at this point. I think the, the biggest change that jumps out at you is uh, the fact that bases have no mineral wealth anymore. Bases mine right. out very, very quickly. And yep. that completely changes the, the pacing and the strategic dynamics of a multiplayer game. On the front and back end, because you, you know, I mean, you, you amass money very, very quickly. It's not like you're just getting the same steady flow you're used to it is you know in the early game it, it is a rapid sort of um a much more rapid hill that you know you find yourself two minutes in the game like i have money to spare because either a i don't know what to do with it that one or b that's just the pace that, that it's at now and then on the other side of that 10 minutes five minutes later very quickly you're like you're hearing that you know uh, the mineral patch depleted um, sound that says, oh, and now my economy is about to tank if, unless I did a really good job of knowing to expand very quickly and expand potentially in multiple places. So that, 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 that sort of, um, pacing for your economy, it, it, it's almost more challenging. Like I wasn't already good at managing my economy before it already felt like things were going pretty fast. And if I lost track for, you know, just a minute or two, I'd look up, I'm like, oh no, I have 3000 minerals. I, you know, cause I'm not, a, I'm not. I'm far from a really good player. I, you know, in many ways, more interested these days in StarCraft II as a game that I enjoy watching and uh, watching really good people play at. Um, but I think that's, you know, again, that's sort of the problem because those are the things that have run me off. And now it's now it's even more. Now it's even faster. Now it's even, um, you know, uh, more complicated to, uh, or or you get quicker to a place where the game just feels really overwhelming unless you have a very specific timing that you've gotten good at and a very specific order that you've gotten good at. See, that's that's where I disagree just a little bit. And okay. I, this is counterintuitively, and I think I might be alone on this, because uh, Rich Stanton also wrote a good piece on Eurogamer when the beta de debuted, uh, and I think he largely reached the same conclusion you did, which is that they, they've made a hard game even harder. But for me, for whatever reason, I find the, the low economy start a little easier to grok and a little easier to play. And I think okay. that's because it changes certain, it, it changes some important dynamics in the game. And I think an example, right, is um, we were playing a game earlier today, 
where I we like we were both on I think uh, we were both on three bases and uh, I had just I put a fourth down and you sent some uh, some troops around and started hitting my expansions and you you hit a worker line on my natural and then you rotate you sort of retreated out and then you started sacking my fourth and my third and uh, the thing is. I think in old school StarCraft, like Wings of Liberty through Heart of the Swarm, a lot of times, like, it was a nuisance when someone took out your fourth. It was it was, it was kind of bad if they took out your third. But there was so much economy available at the first and natural that you were able to macro off of two, three bases so incredibly easily that it really played into the hands of, like, very, like, micro-skilled players who could just sort of, like, min-max their production line. And you could churn out so much just on those bases that even if someone was out on the map making decent plays, they weren't doing the kind of damage they needed to to really derail you economically. That would tell in the long run. If it kept happening, it would it would become bad. But it, it, it always felt for me like there was so much that people could do on just two or three bases as the Protoss and Zerg that... It kind of made it even, it made it almost too easy to macro off of that, right? It, it okay. made it too easy to where sort of pull from. ahead. Yeah, your, your economy would just steamroll ahead in the game, and it became harder and harder to, to force meaningful fights, which is why so much of the game, I think, became about these death ball armies, right? Where like people would just like get these high unit, uh, high supply count armies, because that's what really mattered. And a lot of that early aggression, unless you were doing some sort of early cheese to, to, to like knock them out early, wouldn't really have that much of an effect if there was like a difference in the, like the macro level play of the two players. Now I feel like there's so much more that you can get done on the map right at the start. You know, if you like, if you, man, if you can deny that, that, that second worker line for just a couple minutes, uh, if you can just harass that third and maybe knock it out once you are, you are doing some serious damage just by moving your units around, you know, just by, just by sort of doing what you want to do in RTS, which is sort of push units around. And I think that's important because I feel like a lot of times in Starcraft, it would, it would often feel like old school Starcraft. It would often feel to me like, okay, I was making nice plays and Hey, that was a good fight. I, I did that. Then I'd see the replay and I'd be like, yeah, but none of it mattered. None of it mattered because I couldn't get into the natural. And if I couldn't get into the natural, they had all the money and all the production they needed to just sort of wash me away. That's no longer the game at all. No, and we actually saw that in our last Archon game that we just played a few minutes ago, where that's exactly what happened to us. The 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 players, the two players we were up against, did exactly that. Right? There wasn't the 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 con. I mean, there was there were these little skirmishes happening, but we were we were boxed in, and I think. Probably in my head, I was playing an older version of StarCraft because I'm like, it's okay. We've got some time here. They may get up a you know a third a little faster than us, um, but we can kind of we can kind of build our right mix of units and push out of here, and we still have the the, the late game to make a move. When in fact we were in the late game, I just didn't know it. <laughs> you know, it was and and because they got those set up and we weren't able to push out by the time we did eventually set up our third. It was it was too late because I think what you're describing was in effect at that point. I still I, I actually don't dis see here's where it gets tricky because I I agree with you. I like that 
that layer of meaningfulness is in the game. And in fact, while I am saying this is a much harder game, it's a, you know, it, it, it is because I think what you described there actually does make the game more difficult. It makes it less forgiving. It may be more interesting decisions, but they are harder, longer lasting decisions. You have to have a level of skill one to recognize it and B to X one, two to execute on it. And this is where my discrepancy and my, my kind of conflict comes in with legacy of the void, which is that I also actually like it. I actually, I mean, I'm having fun. Um, I've been playing StarCraft II for years now, and while I'll take these big, long breaks, I understand enough of sort of the metagame and the underlying game and, and these kind of core concepts that, that Legacy Void is just taking for granted that you know and are adept at. Um, I actually kind of, I, I, I agree with you, I like it, but I still am stuck on the idea that as far as will this be something that people, a lot of people will want to receive? Is this something that's going to bring a lot of people back? Um, is this actually, you know, while you can kind of have a fun experience, a lot of StarCraft II isn't what I would call enjoyable at the same time. I, I mean, I get a kind of high off of it, but how much of it is fun versus how much of it is just that super competitive trigger? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's 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 drifted. Well, and that's... um. So I think on a strategic level, I think the game is, in some ways, yeah, it's less forgiving, but I think it's a little easier because it's not just, um, that ability to sort of, to, to sort of macro well, right. To manage the economy and manage a huge, like efficient stream of production and, you know, not ever have too many resources in the bank and just be constantly converting them into units. I feel like in old Starcraft, that was a little more powerful where I totally agree with you is the complexity of these armies, what it takes to manage them now, because of all the different unit special abilities, is really, really daunting uh, yeah. at first glance. <laughs> like everybody now has a special power that you have to that you have to figure out like when and how to use. Uh, and man, if you like, because of the pace of StarCraft, if you do not do it like right at the like start of the engagement. You've missed your window and you're screwed. Like I had a game where, um, well, just we, we were just playing and I had a dodgy mouse and that didn't help. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure it could. <laughs> like I was slow getting my liberators, which is the new Terran unit. I was mm -hmm. slow locking them into um, uh, to the ground fire mode where they can do some real damage in a wide area uh, against enemy units. But during that time, they're mobile and you have to activate that power. Uh, and you came sort of storming up a ramp and I was just a couple seconds late on getting them deployed in that position. And that was the ball game, right? Like right. those engagements unfold so quickly that if you don't pop that right at the, right at the start, you're going to be in deep trouble. And now in legacy of the void, there's like every army has like three or four units like that, uh, that you have to be thinking about all at once and they all have to coordinate effectively and that is man that is tough and that is not an easy thing to practice because starcraft doesn't set you up to do that very well and i think it's true of i mean when you look at the new units in the expansion that are coming out i think they all share that same sort of idea it, it's not just it's not you know it's in fact kind of a a layer down of not just having the ability not just training it not just knowing when to use it but also knowing the timing and the moment and the positioning of when to use it because your liberators needed to be in a certain position and you needed to have been, you know, kind of with your head on a swivel and seeing the attack coming to deploy them rather than sort of, you know, 
or even right as it's starting. Um, which is why, you know, in that game, I think I, I, I played uh, with Stalkers a lot. And Stalkers, they feel like a classic unit to me because, yes, they have Blink and there's a lot of micro that can be done with that. But they're also a pretty darn forgiving unit at the same time. That that it, It's really, those the, that ability has sort of multiple ways to deploy it. And if you miss this moment to do it here, you can use it this way over here. I don't feel like the new units have that. They have a specific moment and they become immensely powerful if you do use it at the right time. The Disruptor, uh, the, the, the Lurker, um, you know, these are, these are all, these are very, very strong abilities. But when to use it, how to use it, where to use it, and you only have a window of a very short time frame makes it really tough. Yeah, and also tough to react to. Like, the Disruptor is a good example because that yeah. is a unit that has this weird timing. Uh, it's this, this Protoss rolling bomb, basically. It's the Protoss Baneling, except it's, it's, it's so evil. Uh, but, but the thing is, it's invulnerable when it's setting up to explode. So you have to get it while it's getting into position, uh, but if you don't, then you have to scatter and get out of the way, or you'll be, or your troops will be killed in the explosion. And that mm. is a difficult thing. Like basically, every time you see that unit, and God help you if there's a couple of them, <laughs> you have to be thinking coming from different directions. Yeah, you have to be thinking along two lines. One, how do I kill these? Two, how do I get the units in its path out of its path? It's worse mm. than the baneling because the baneling. You could try to avoid and your units would automatically shoot at it and it would always die. You could at least count on that. But the disruptor is invulnerable. So now you've got this really complicated like interaction between this Protoss unit and all of your like infantry units, basically. And that is a tough thing to manage. And again, there's gonna be a bunch of interactions like this in in, in every fight in every fight. So I have a question for you, though, and it's one I've yeah. sort of been going back and forth on. I know there's not, I mean, there's not a lot of energy, certainly in the pro scene right, right now around Legacy of the Void. It doesn't feel like to me. Um, and to your point, you know, I, I'm not sure a lot of the pro players like it yet. But, I mean, we've heard that before and we've been down that road before. And when it comes out, it will be what it is. Do you think these changes make StarCraft II more fun to watch? Yes. I do too. Yeah. That's the interesting thing is all that timing because I mean, I, I like something like the disruptor and something like the liberator. It gives you what I call what I, what I think of as those kind of, uh, moments, yep. you know, where, where the casters are in these, like he's pulling in the disruptor. He's activated. Oh, you know, it is, it is, it is setting up a lot more opportunities for those kinds of moments. And yeah, it does, might not be super fun to play against, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm hopeful. I would love to see the StarCraft II Pro scene kind of pick up momentum because I want to watch the games with these units, with these players operating at this level. Well, the thing is, though, and the, like if you look at StarCraft over the course of five years, mm -hmm. um, the pro scene is only as energetic as the game community around it. Right, and actually, the pro scene is a little more energetic, right? There's this entire awful, like, dead game meme on yeah, the StarCraft yeah, yeah. Reddit, yeah, which has been like, basically, like StarCraft, like I guess call them fans, were like gleefully <laughs> producing, pre predicting the game's demise mm -hmm. by, or like by mid 2012, early 2013, right? Like, 
And so there became this real, like, growing sense that the game was doomed and the game was on a downward trajectory. Uh, and those things become self, self-fulfilling self prophecies. But, uh, but I do think there, there's a kernel of wisdom there, which is, like, if you don't have people playing the game, if you don't have people excited to go play StarCraft, get their friends playing it, uh, get people to buy it, but, but just, just overall, just play it. If that's not happening then they're not going to be showing up in meaningful numbers for the pro scene. Not is, on a regular basis. I'm not sure I agree. I mean, I look at something like Dota 2, which, you know, it is not... It is it is an equally, probably... if it, That may be the hardest game out there as far as I'm concerned right now. I and mean, that may just be the way that I interpret MOBAs and... and, and but it's... You know, I, I don't feel like the success of that or even League of Legends is necessarily because all those people watching it are excited to go play it. I think a lot of people have that same experience or a similar experience where like, ah, I love watching this, hate playing it. The community's awful. I always get yelled at. Um, I love playing it, but I wonder if it's just part of that is just because it reached a critical mass. And at that point just sort of fed off of its own momentum or not. It just, it feels like, it feels to me like the success of a game as a, as a uh, as a major esport is incidentally, but maybe not as directly tied to the passion of the people who are playing at a mid tier level um, as we might guess. Mm, I don't know. Like, I don't know. If you look, if you look at Dota two, like there's a, always a ton of people playing Dota two. Sure. Like there, there's always, and the people who do play Dota two, it's sort of like the Dark Souls of MOBA. Right, it, it, yeah. it, it's like people don't just play Dota two; they live it. They live it, and then they want to tell you about how they live it. And yes, Dota two can be a, a frustrating community and, and, and toxic in a lot of ways. But I, but I feel like people are invested in that. I guess I, I guess I don't fully understand. Like I, I guess I don't fully understand why you think that the Dota case is different from if, why you don't feel that the Dota case is. Uh, I'm not sure I see the parallel you do. Okay. Um, it's not the parallel, so, but, you, but you're saying you, you, a dichotomy, I should I, say. I, I guess maybe there's there's more to it. So I think one of the things that Dota 2 has that StarCraft 2 doesn't is a really well-run and organizing force, which really is Valve behind it. Um, which can, you know, you know, be, you know, put together something like the international or partner with the right people to put together the internet. It feels part of me is it feels like the the pro scene around StarCraft two, and maybe this is what I'm getting at, has while it may be a little better than the community at large, it seems equally dysfunctional. And I maybe I mean I, I would look to you. Like do you agree this is why I'm asking you, because I know you have a lot more exposure on the inside to there. Do you feel like the community and the energy level and the enthusiasm and the organization and the structure and all those critical things that you need to make an esports successful are equal in opportunity for something like Dota Two as StarCraft? Uh yeah, I think StarCraft I think Dota Two has more of the right ingredients. Right, like yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, just like one, it just has a huge user base, and that's and that's probably all I'm talking about. Really, is just like, okay. are there a ton of people playing? Because a Reddit community is probably always going to be a more negative place than than the community as a whole really is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like StarCraft Reddit 
tends to be kind of like negative and unhappy, but like the Team Liquid forums, I, I, I think, tend to be a little more constructive, a little more like thoughtful. Okay. Um, I think so. I think yeah, Dota Two has its 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 own community issues, but a you've got like you know hundreds of thousands of people playing at any given moment. Uh, actually, I think it, I think it actually literally does average around like ninety eight thousand users or something like that. It's it's a pretty sizable number of people always playing Dota. Uh, but then you've got you you know you got a client that encourages you to participate both as a player and as a uh, you know spectator, and then yes. I, and then I just think. Um, because there's also a lot more of a grassroots scene, and this is the interesting thing, because Dota 2 followed such a different trajectory from StarCraft 2, it ended up, I think, in a healthier place with regard to uh, like the way tournaments are organized and the way the community is set up. Because there's because there's so many, like you call them like turnkey solutions to running your own competitive series in Dota, mm-hmm. that StarCraft really has no parallel uh, to. That you know, we everyone always pays attention to Dota around this time of year, right? The international, mm-hmm. right? And obviously, uh, but that's that that really obscures the fact that there's always these tons of just like weird little tournaments that you know who the hell is running them? Well, this one's run by a team, and this one's yeah, run by a couple exactly. of dudes, and their prize pools are you know voluntary contributions, and they they make a ton of like there's this there's this whole scene, and StarCraft Two was I think always a victim of timing, and, and it's weird because at first it was really helped. Now we're getting into the real history historical aspect, right? Well, yeah, let's go deep. Yeah, <laughs> so StarCraft Two comes uh, comes out right as streaming was really maturing. And so StarCraft mm-hmm. Two has this breakthrough moment that I think, in retrospect, a lot of us misinterpreted as "Wow, StarCraft Two really brought something to the table, and it's the breakthrough esport." What actually broke through was streaming, and suddenly it became really, really easy to follow uh, esports and really, really enjoyable to follow them because it wasn't like you were watching them on you know crappy like three twenty by two hundred little window on your monitor anymore. You were watching like a broadcast quality experience. And StarCraft was sort of the first at the table. And so for a while, it looked like StarCraft was was the cock of the walk. But by 2012, you know, League of Legends had arrived in, you know, the competitive scene uh, pretty seriously. And they were putting a lot of money behind it. But StarCraft also was really dependent on, um, you know, large organizations like Intel sponsoring Intel Extreme Masters. It was dependent on... Uh, you know, and I think I think this was be- this was actually I think in retrospect kind of devastating for American StarCraft. The uh, American StarCraft on a competitive basis was kind of first represented by two organizations, uh, NASL and uh, mm-hmm. and MLG. Neither MLG, of yeah. which I think held a candle in terms of uh, you know overall technical and business competence to organizations like DreamHack and ESL. Right. Uh, and I think that ended up hurting the local scene. Not like in, like America was always going to have a tough tough road to hoe when it came came to esports. But I think some of the organiza- the, the the competitive environment that was set up made it more challenging. But the thing is, so StarCraft always depended on people coming along like Uncle Moneybags and running these big <laughs> tournaments at a loss. Whereas Dota kind of was able to scale up and grow uh, alongside the health of the overall scene and the overall well, ecosystem. It was only, it's almost interesting because StarCraft 2, and maybe I think this is what you're saying, but to some degree, StarCraft 2 early success when there was really a lot less organization, a lot more fracturing 
um, actually was a thing that ultimately hurt it because in something like Dota 2, which had a much more sort of natural growth curve, um, you know, a leader or a couple of leaders could kind of come out of that mix as the thing that people rallied around in League of Legends as well. Um, where, you know, my, my feeling has always been that the StarCraft II pro scene has just felt fundamentally fractured to me. And, and you know, part of that is, you know, and I guess I need to qualify that part, you know, fundamentally fractured outside of Korea. Where... Well, but, I, but even there, that became a problem, too. Because all these other esports got a chance for all the regions to sort of start equal and then grow to grow together. Now, the thing is, so like Asia and China and then Korea kind of came along and buried uh, like European and certainly North American teams in things like MOBAs uh, fairly quickly. Not so much in Dota, but definitely in, in League of Legends. But the thing is, like that is still like. At the highest level, yeah, the best teams tend to be Chinese uh, or or Korean, and and the structures are there and really well organized. Like the teams, and, and my impression is that the teams um, have a, they just have a lot more discipline. And I don't just mean in the way they play, but the way they're run as a business and the way tournaments are run and the organization structure is all there in a way that it doesn't feel like certainly North America and probably a lot of the rest of the world caught on to fast enough. Not. Not that it never got there or not that it can't still get there, but it's just, you know, the moment it, it was like in our game earlier, we had, they had the moment and the moment passed. <laughs> yeah. But even there, like, I don't think they could have because the thing is like, so StarCraft's problem, which was a little different from the, from these other games is that once you had Koreans entering your competitive ecosystem, you had a pretty major, like it's an invasive species, right? It's a, it's this predator that will like just annihilate everything in its path, but mm -hmm. everyone wants to see the Korean players play, right? So, I think re real early on you had this problem of what do you do about the Korean players? Because but why hasn't they... that been a problem for League of Legends? Do you think, or because hasn't been Riot the same hived level? everyone off in the separate regions? Okay, if you're yeah. Korean, you compete in Korea. If you are European, you compete in Europe. And they've done some like increasingly Koreans are everywhere now in, in Pro League of Legends. Like every team uh, yep. tends to recruit from the strongest region, which is Korea. So you always have like if if you can if you can afford it, uh, you get your you you get your team a a top uh, top rated Korean or two. But the thing is, like by and large, they're still separated by these regional barriers this this region locking and in dota what sort of saved things is just that like europe and and china still had to learn the game together they were sort of back and forth in terms of dominance there was there was a better competitive mix there yeah but in starcraft you you get korean players who've been getting paid six-figure salaries to be good at brood war and mm -hmm. then they show up and they start playing they, they start playing starcraft 2 meanwhile you have an american scene where that's never even been a possibility so what's right. like what's going to happen and by the way, the Koreans are all coming from Korean teams that have expertise in producing top caliber players. And, you know, like, you know, if you're if you're Hydra, for instance, right, you're, you're a brilliant player. You understand the game. You have this really incredible intuitive sense. Two years into the game, though, like who are, like who are, where are you training day, day in, day out? Who's your coach? Who's like what have you got compared to M MMA? Yeah, and at that point, it's probably too late to even start thinking about that because you needed to be in that environment from day one to be. I mean, now you're now you're just two years behind. One well, who was going to finance it, right? Not yeah, and, and that as well. Um, but so so I, I 
why didn't that help? So why did that hurt the, I guess, the, 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 the audience scene? Because people got what they wanted, right? I mean, we got to see these amazing players. And I mean, I, I watched it for two years and, and loved every second of it. So, I mean, I think that explains why maybe the, the, the pro field has become unstable. Um, but why are we just not watching it? I, I think fundamentally, first and foremost, it's that people are just less into StarCraft, and that's because they don't play it. I yeah. think that is the first and like okay. when you have the user base fall to a certain level, it's just it's people aren't going to be as hyped up for it. You're actually like, you, so you get pretty excited about it. You're still you're still into StarCraft, and when a new expansion mm-hmm. shows up, we can count on you sort of being there for at least a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'm in for a while. It was interesting during like BlizzCon, the World Championship, which was this great uh, battle between life and someone who wasn't life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can, who can really remember? It, but trust me, it was, was it party? No, I don't uh, remember. But the viewers on that were crazy. It was like 150,000 people watching. Uh, and so, like, those people come back. But the question is, where do they go in between, right? It used to be, like, every StarCraft final would be good for, like, 50, 80, 100,000 people. Uh, and just a just an average stream would be good for, you know, 30, 40. And now, like, 30,000 people is about the outside of what you can expect, except at these big, like, year-capping year events. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I think, like, by and large, I, I think the big problem is just one of audience. Like... It's it's you know what, what like in the West what you started to lose is our our friend Alan Cook from Games with Jobs right remember how into StarCraft he used to be oh yeah yeah and it's Huge just the it. erosion of interest from people like that that I think that's that's your trajectory of StarCraft which is what makes this I think also sort of paradoxically interesting to me and it's almost like a catch twenty two because like I think like you and I both agree the What's been put into Legacy of the Void is going to make the games more interesting to watch and is also going to be a barrier for entry for people to get interested in playing the games again, which will make people not watch it, which, you know, is it's 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 almost frustrating in a way because it's um, yeah, it, 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 it's it doesn't seem like a, 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 a problem that has a solution that I can see easily, you know, you can't go unless you go the other way, which is okay. We're going to go back to basically and clear from what, you know, David Kim's various statements out there that they're not going in this direction of, okay, how do we get people back into the install base? How do we make it fun to play ladder again? How do we, you know, how do we do the things that we've been really successful with at Hearthstone um, and bring that in to Starcraft too? And that just, that's not on the agenda. That's not on the menu right now. No, well, yes and no, because here's the thing. I think Archon Mode, and I'm not sure they're wrong about this. I think Archon Mode was their effort to make it more accessible, because here's my question. Is it that, is it that StarCraft is hard, or is it that it's lonely? Okay. Is that the problem? Because if the problem is that it's hard, then how do you explain Dota? Dota's hard because, yeah, controlling your individual character is is a lot easier and playing on a team of five is is a lot easier. Yeah, all that stuff's easier to sort of like feign competence in, in a MOBA, but actually to like learn how it all works and all those interactions. As complicated, if not more complicated than StarCraft. But you're always with other people. A lot of times you're with well, friends. Okay, I, I, have, I have a theory and an answer for that okay. question that I want to put out there. 
I think the difference between something like Dota and StarCraft, and I realize that's so not an apples to orange, apples to apples comparison, but I think my issue with the way that StarCraft implements hard and complexity is while it's hard, it is not fun. Or it's not as fun. There's a difference, you know, I, I and it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't reward you as much for what the breakthroughs it doesn't feel like like you reach a threshold and you reach a level of competence and you kind of you're on that that's the plane you're on and you've got to find your joy in there and and a lot of players do i mean it, this is this is i'm far from saying this is dead game you know it's not the language that i'm in but at the same time i feel like the the layer of complexity that i experience in starcraft 2 versus other games that are challenging and give me a reason to keep playing don't exist for me in the same way when I'm in, when I'm in the dark place, when I'm in the, when I'm in the, Oh, this is just hard now and I'm not having fun. And it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it encourages you to press that, keep pressing that button. I, yeah, I, I, I sort of see that, but at the same time, I think, I think their hope, and I'm not sure it's a misguided one is that, by introducing something like Archon, you're going to make it a social experience that it's never been. And I, I feel like... I, I fundamentally agree with you. Like, not being good at StarCraft, which everyone sort of starts not being good at StarCraft, that is not a fun place to start, and that is not something that encourages you to keep playing. And that's a that's a big problem, right? Like, you need to... Like, there needs to be an on-ramp. And I, I feel like, yeah, StarCraft has, has a pretty massive on-ramp problem. And I think that's probably going to get a little worse in Legacy of the Void if you're playing solo. But I think one of the other things is what drags people down is that if you... Like, the, 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 the main thing that was sort of spotlighted at the start of StarCraft is always that ladder, right? And the pro game was there to tell you that real StarCraft, the game as it was meant to be played, was 1v1. Nobody was doing mm. competitive league of, of you know, 2v2. Right. Nobody, there was it's a ladder all one, for it, but it was all one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, it's all 1v1. Yeah, yeah so real, real StarCraft is 1v1. So naturally, people want to play the real game. And so you're just there grinding these games and the ladder is designed the algorithm itself is designed to be unsatisfying right because oh, yeah. like absolutely you're gonna you're gonna over time you'll win half lose half but except for very rare moments where the game hasn't figured out that you've jumped a skill level and it hasn't quite pinned you down yet you will never have that moment of like you know five six seven yeah. games in a row um it's only happened to me like a couple times in. Yeah, no, me too. I've been, I, and and it's always it's like finding a unicorn. It's like, oh, this is. I should never play again. Like I, I had five in a row, and if I play six, I will lose six in a row because that's how statistics work. I remember I was at uh, I was at Julian's house uh, ages ago, and this was mm -hmm. during Wings of Liberty, and I just went on a tear. And he came in because he could <laughs> hear me pounding away on the keyboard, and so he came in and just watched me. He's like, "My God, like I couldn't even begin to play at this level. I was I was not playing at a high level, but I had figured out enough hotkeys that like my APM was pretty high compared to the average player, and I was starting to like just really like go on a tear. Mm -hmm. And over the course of one afternoon, I won like five six games, one like straight. And I don't think I played it for like a month after that. I was like, oh my God, like, I'm, I'm scared to go back. Because fundamentally, the problem was always the ladder was going to like, by and large, that ladder was going to take you to a place of humiliation or yes. disappointment or frustration. It is fundamentally designed to. It's, 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 it, it should have a sign up in front of it says, 
you're going to probably lose this one, yeah. just so you know. And it starts priming you for it, because like, it'll be like, oh, um, here's your portrait, and here's your opponent. <laughs> your opponent's got this crazy portrait. You've never even seen that portrait before. You, get, you only get that one if you've put a lot of hours into the game. You're not even allowed to look at this portrait. That's how far ahead it is. You're probably not going to. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. So I, I think that is, I think that's a problem. And I think Legacy of the Void's Archon mode is going to uh, ameliorate that part at least. Because even if I suck at StarCraft, like what we just did over the course of this afternoon, playing Archon mode, yeah, we lost. And immediately we hopped into the replay and started talking about, like, you know, the game and, like, what do we do lo- do wrong? And that's a very different thing because StarCraft, you can do that. You can go, oh, you know, I go and look at the replay and go through your learning process. But it is a little different when, like, you're bouncing ideas off back and forth, and it's not that you yourself were destroyed, it's that your whole team was destroyed. It was a collective screw-up, which actually is better. It's better to go through that with someone else than it is by yourself. Okay. I I can... Yeah, I can see that, but it... Does that have stability? Does that last? I mean, so the great thing to me about a lot of the co-op games that are out there is it's great if you have the friend that you play with every week or every other couple of days and you're the team. Um, But a lot of the time that just isn't realistic. That just doesn't go down that way. And so for me, what, what's, what I'm worried about with Archon mode, and again, I enjoy playing Archon mode. I think this is really fun. I, it's it's interesting because my perspective when I'm analyzing it is different than my perspective when I'm actually uh, coming out of being engaged with it. Um, my concern is that if I just like wanted to go play Archon mode, and I'm just like, well, you know, my buddy's not online. I'll just go, you know, see what I can drag up in the the general chat. That's not going to be the same experience. That is not. That doesn't strike me as having any sort of, you know, existence in fun. Um, just no, because, no. I, yeah. No. And right now I see people in general chat being like, hey, anyone want to do Archon? Anyone want to do Archon? I'm like, why would I do Archon with you? Never. Like, we, can't, like, we can't even talk to each other. Like, how's yeah. that going to work? So it's, I think it's great. I mean, I think it, it, it's nice to have this sort of new opportunity. But in practicality, how much you know how how really practical is that and you know does that become okay you actually need a team and that team needs to have some form of stability if not this isn't going to really play out for you so you know i i hate to be negative about it because it is a cool mode i mean i like the idea of it and it would be really fun to, you know, I think it would be amazing fun if you go in there and you do have a buddy and you get, you're going to play Archon mode and you guys are going to start bouncing ideas off of each other and you're going to nail down the things that you do and how you, you know, work with each other and help set things up. Yeah, that, that feels like it's going to be an incredibly rewarding experience. But that is, that's I, I got to think that's a small percentage of the number of people out there who are going to have access and a realistic chance at having that experience maybe and that's what we will have to see because okay. I, I think i, I think, i'm i would like it i'd like to be wrong i really would like to be wrong. i'm i'm hoping like i'm probably like trying to be a little optimistic because i think archon mode is is more fun like if you know if, if it's a situation where it's not me randomly firing up starcraft but if it's like i've got three or four people i can regularly play with and it's just like hey mm-hmm. want to do quick archon if that becomes a thing then we'll be fine. Then StarCraft will be a lot healthier, I think. Because what, what killed it eventually was your friends weren't playing. You were just going there, laddering by yourself. Meanwhile, all your other friends, like, they're like, what are they doing right now? They're playing Rocket League. 
Like, which sounds mm-hmm. better right now? Like, yeah. you want to go play on a StarCraft ladder or do you want to play Rocket League? <laughs> I, I definitely want to go play Rocket League. Yeah. Uh, and do you think Archon mode will be a pro scene thing at all? Do you think this will be Boy, adopted or is this? Huh? That's a great question. Uh, Red, Red Bull is doing this year at StarCraft tournament is an Archon tournament. Um, and it's. You know, full disclosure, like I do a fair bit of freelance yep. work for Red Bull. So like it's, a, you know, when a man's salary depends on not understanding something, I <laughs> uh, won't understand it. Uh, so Archon Mode's great. No. Yeah. I, I think um, <laughs> like, you know, real talk, like you can clearly tell like Red, like Red Bull has not invested into StarCraft what they invested last year. Right. Uh, like a lot of other uh, esports producers, they're sort of waiting and watching to see which way the scene breaks. But I was really skeptical of Archon Mode at first. Red Bull put on the show match uh, right at the start, and I thought it was just trash. Like, it Mm -hmm. was just bad. Like, nobody knew what they were doing in Legacy of the Void. It was just like, oh, God, watching watching Scarlet and Huck play together as a team in the the first show match. Two of my favorite players. Yeah, two two brilliant players. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching them play together was just like watching a bronze league scrub match. Like they, they clearly <laughs> like didn't know how things worked in the mm-hmm. game. Cause that's not their job to know. They, they don't know ways to avoid yet. By this point, we're now like four qualifiers into the Red Bull season. Last week, I think one of the most enjoyable series of the year in Starcraft was played, uh, a, a TVT, uh, that it like Archon mode allows for some incredible stuff, uh, because, it allows for this level of efficiency and constant pressure that mm-hmm. uh, you, you're just not used to seeing. And that also sort of takes some of the, the stress again off that, that, that death ball phenomenon. Because now you can do so many more things because the work is split across two people. So go ahead, do that flank attack. Do the, do the three simultaneous drops while your main army presses their front. Like, see how it works. So all that will be going on, and it just becomes frantic and pretty amazing. I think it would be cool. I think what, I think what hurt StarCraft again competitively uh, was... I, I was talking to Huck about this, actually, a few weeks ago. He was like, he said he thought 2v2 should have been supported competitively. If not Mm -hmm. as a competitive discipline in itself, like what about team leagues? Why wasn't 2v2 a a thing there? And his point was that that Archon should absolutely be getting some competitive support. The question is, will it? Uh, Because the problem is, like, Blizzard's kind of underwriting a lot of the major tournaments. So again, that grassroots scene just isn't there. I think if the the grassroots community had its way, everyone would probably be playing uh, the the Starbo mod for StarCraft. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Um, oh, we should do a show on Starbo. Oh man, I missed the trick right, we'll there. Put the, yeah, put that put that in our back pocket. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I I I don't even know if like I I I guess I would need to see a few really good games of Archon mode at a pro level because I'm not even sure that it's going to have the same viewer experience. I'm not even sure. Well, the, I don't the even observers know definitely that, have trouble keeping up with it. Yeah, that would that would be my fear as well. Is this may be more, you know, in in a way more fun, but at the same time, um, you know, it's already sort of hard to keep track of everything going on as a viewer at once. Uh, but at the same time, I think League of Legends deals with the same problem. There can be a lot of different things going on at the same time, and it's just a matter of uh, getting your arms in. That your always head has a structure, it. though. 
right? Like, it does. It's, it's, well, it does. You know, it's like it's trying to follow the action on a on a court. You know, whereas mm-hmm. Starcraft can be a little more of a of a trick. But I would say everyone should watch the uh, Reality Journey versus Supernova and Top uh, match at uh, the Red Bull Battlegrounds qualifier from from the other week. Uh, that was a really spectacular series. One of the best, uh, one of the best series I've, I've seen all year. Uh, just an amazing TVT because that is so much more exciting than it used to be. And that's, and that's the other thing I think that needs to be called out with legacy of the void. The faction Starcraft to begin with was, was really good with faction identity, uh, and each, each race having its own style. That was sort of its, its bread and butter. That was the thing that it defined it from a very early time. Yeah, and and I think the problem with Heart of Swarm was that it did some things that were, uh, you know, good from a faction identity standpoint, but but maybe kind of bad from a from a gameplay perspective. You know, like mm-hmm. the um, God the uh the swarm host, for instance, right? Where yeah. once people figured that out, like it just became there. There was like it was like sick. It was like the lost season of StarCraft. He's like, who wanted really to watch was. that shit? It was not. Yeah, I, I think that was actually where I really lost some of my momentum watching oh, it. It God, was absolutely it was... around that time. It wasn't. It just wasn't fun to watch. It didn't look fun to play. Nobody was really enjoying it the same way. Um, that was that was when things started to slip for me for sure. Oh yeah, it was it, it was it was super bad, and uh, mm-hmm. and and it took so long for these things to be fixed. Right, like, hey, every game seems to be just devolving into these uh, disastrous like yeah. uh, swarm host sieges. And Blizzard's response was, well, if you look at the data, it's not as bad as it seems to you. It's like, oh, okay, but we're watching at home and it's freaking miserable. So yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter what your data says. It's what I perceive the experience of watching your game to be. Yeah, like, exactly. You, your day, you're never going to walk in and like check out this spreadsheet and I'd be like, oh, I'm wrong. I guess I had a great time. <laughs> God, yeah, and just other things too, like yeah, the widow mine. Like yeah, it's just this. Oh, do do you like your Terran bioplay? Well, it's now just way less interesting <laughs> and way more effective. Have fun. Like, okay, which is that's... again why I like the units. And I mean, I, as as a viewer, I like the factor that the new units bring in. And oh yeah, you know, it's what I'm excited about because I don't think they're going down that same road. I think they really are um, making it a more fun thing to watch. Well, I'll give you well an example, as... just because like I know Terran the best, right? Yeah, I've always disliked Mech. Like, you mm-hmm. know, when you're when you're playing Terran, you have that's you have the choice, right? Are you gonna be a bio army based on like infantry units? Uh lots of them, high damage, high DPS, very squishy. Or are you gonna build a mech army, very slow, very tanky, uh, very expensive, but uh, you Yeah, know, I'm never doing that. Damage. Given the, given those two choices as described, I'm never doing the second one. Doesn't no. sound fun. No, and it's not even that fun to watch, right? Like no. the, a mech army is just this big fat blob yeah. just parking he took, itself. He, he, he took four more feet. Now he took three more feet oh, by moving the thing from the back, back in the, the siege. Front. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So now they've completely changed that. Like mech yes. is a blast to play and a blast to watch. And I never thought they'd fix it, but they did. Uh because they just like the new units in this case, like make it feel like it is an exciting and different line of play. Like I've now I'm starting to do it in in the in the matches uh online because when I used to play StarCraft, I would only go mech with a gun to my head. Right? <laughs> like I would see like you know, Zerg were going heavy, heavy, heavy on uh like, you know, Mass Muta or they, they were clearly, mm-hmm. you know, just go they were just like 
pumping out tons of like um you know roaches and, and hydras yeah. and it's like man that's a lot of that's a lot of stuff to wade through <laughs> you're making that decision do i just quit because i don't want to have deal this, this hour-long game yeah. that i might win no right and then so you, know, you're like fine i'll just i'll build the freaking mech units okay mm-hmm. are you happy now i hate myself <laughs> and we all suck. both you and i hate this game now we're having a terrible time yeah. you brought this on at yourself but now it's like with with the with with new school Terran, right? Like Mech, you've got mm-hmm. the you've got the Liberators flying like Overwatch, and so like Mech feels like this. You know, you, the Mech army is this huge like clenched fist, and they're so tough to break if they can take a good fight. Uh, yep. You've got the the uh, cyclones, cyclones running around, which can do just insane amounts of damage if you can kite them mm-hmm. really well, and they're made and have really a lot well of kited. activity to them. Have a lot of energy behind using them correctly. Exactly, and the siege tanks can be uh, meta dropped while in yeah. siege mode so you can yep. like if you're if you're good i'm not that good but i've i have seen people do it it looks very fun to yep. uh, to do the siege drops and these are all things that like wow mech play is now this really exciting dynamic and thematically like it cool uh thing to watch and do that it has never been in the history of history of starcraft and i think Stuff like that is really important. They just nerfed the crap out of Colossus, uh, so that like yeah. the late game Protoss isn't just about like getting a protractor out and figuring out who's got a better angle before you take a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, 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 I want to be optimistic. That's the thing. Is there's so much cool. Ultimately, if you are a high level player. I actually think I actually think the pros will come around on this. I think when it's out there, when it's in the mix, there's a lot of fun to be extracted from this, and a lot of uh, of layers of how these units can interact with one another and the dynamics of the game being more energetic. I think people who are in the StarCraft, you know, viewership community, um, I think there's probably a lot to be gained there. I think this is actually going to be a nice potential boost for the game and the fundamentals of starcraft what i don't know is that it's going to build any energy around playing it or around growing that community it feels like you know in you know when i look through my crystal ball what i see is a brief plateau and then you know back on the decline which brings me to another question i have which is if that happens is blizzard done with starcraft at least for a good long time again. Well, I think they're going to be done with StarCraft for a good long time, no matter what. I think so, too. I mean, they have too many other good things going right now. Yeah, and you, also, least... they're all free to play. Yeah. All their new stuff yeah. is free to play. Like, Blizzard yeah. is now a free to play studio. They're really, Which really is rich. What I think, have they announced whether Overwatch is going to be that as well? I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty it sure is. it is. Yeah, I'm pretty I sure think it is. I could be wrong about that, but it, it wouldn't, you know, it, Overwatch seems like the next thing to really pay attention to and get a lot out of. And I would, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That free to play model is working for him phenomenally well. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that Starcraft has a big future again, I'm not saying dead. I'm not saying that at all. And if things pick up, I'm, you know, Blizzard's not going to be a fool about it and watch, you know, a game that is picking up momentum and just let it die on the vine. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. This may be the last hurrah for a little while. Well, they've come for. I think it was due for a hiatus anyway. It's three games in five years. Yeah, and this one's going to be a big change. That's gonna. That's gonna be. It was gonna be on hiatus uh, for a while, no matter what. Interestingly enough, I've heard some Blizzard designers go like do little thought experiments about like you know if we did an RTS again, uh, I think we'd do X, Y, and Z differently. 
uh, started building mm-hmm. from the ground up. I don't think I think there's still a lot of people there who like want to make RTS games. I think there's a bigger problem of RTS games have not fared well in the current environment. Um, people just like yeah. people don't want to play them. I mean, we had a really good one. I think it was this year. What was it? Grey Goo was this year. Yeah, right. A great game. A uh, phenomenal RTS that that five years ago, ten years ago, I think would have you know been a much bigger game. Oh yeah, than I, it was. I, I loved that game. Absolutely, and it's loved all but it. forgotten now. Yeah, yeah, and, and just because like just RTS games don't get a lot of traction. Uh, Eugen Systems are releasing another one, uh, Active Aggression, this September, which is a sort of semi sequel to Active War, which they made years and years ago. I think Eugen's uh, Eugen has been smart. I think they've kept their their costs pretty low on most of their games. Like the War Game series, yeah. their games look fantastic, but they're not like. They're not doing a lot of like bespoke content for it, right? They like lavish right. a lot of care and attention to the unit models, but they're not like creating these huge narrative experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's one thing that, like, you know, basically, if you're making an RTS right now, you can't be counting on being a big blockbuster. And I think that's yeah. maybe where Grey Goo would have gone wrong from a business standpoint. Is game was great. Game looked yep. gorgeous. Game also shipped with a with a huge, really lavish single player campaign, which was which was fun. Mm-hmm. But is anyone buying RTS games in enough volume at this point to to justify that? And that's that is depressing for me because I I really like RTS games. Yeah, I agree. But at this point, it seems like only Relic and only Blizzard can get much out of it, and even they can't get all that much out of it. Yeah, I you know in many ways I'm I'm. You know, I'm grateful to see the series actually followed through because there's there's at least part of me if the, if it wasn't Blizzard, I don't know that there would be a Legacy of the Void. I'm not even sure there there would have been a, a, a the blade. What was the blade? I, why am I blanking on the name? The last expansion. Oh, heart, uh, heart of the Swarm. Heart of the Swarm. Heart of the Swarm. Um, I think you know it, it's sort of on the heels of how strong. Blizzard is as a company, and also how strong StarCraft II was when it launched at being highly visible and, and drawing crowds um, that we got through all three. Other situations, you know, depending, different different developer, different publisher, different situation, not sure we would have ended up here. Yeah, I, I will say, I think there's a little canary in the coal mine, which is, um, I think the quality of their campaigns noticeably diminished. Uh, between Wings and uh, Heart of the Swarm, and I didn't really pick up on it. Tom Chick called me on it uh, when we were talking about Heart of the Swarm uh, a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and he was like, "No, like the campaigns aren't remotely like similar in terms of quality." And I started playing the um, the preview campaign. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Whispers of yeah, Oblivion. Yeah, the prologue. Whis- whis- yeah, Whispers of Oblivion. Yeah, and <sighs> it's crap. Like they're they're crap mm. missions. Um. And they're they're crap in in a way that I think some of the heart of the swarm missions were in that they're just very easy. They're very simplistic. They're very like, hey, here's a new unit. Here's its ability. Go around this map now in a big, you know, spiral pattern. Get to the end of it, and you win the mission. Great. And I've been going back and been playing Wings of Liberty, and like, damn, that campaign was really good. It, it wasn't was. just it was that rude. there were like. 50 cutscenes between missions where it's like, boy, do you like Joss Whedon? Well, here's our Joss Whedon pastiche. Like, <laughs> here we go. Uh, which, yeah, uh, that was relevant to my interest. Sure, I'm on board. 
But the the Wings of Liberty campaign, the missions in them had texture and they had ebb and flow and they had things that would, you know, the situation and the way you were interacting with the situation felt like it was changing within the battle itself. It wasn't, here's a Tetris puzzle to figure out, which is what I felt like in a lot of ways, more of the heart of the swarm stuff. Yeah. And I'm worried that, that based on what I I saw in the whispers of oblivion mini campaign, uh, that the overall game will sort of follow that structure as well, because you're exactly right. I've been, I'm replaying wings of Liberty. Like the missions had like encounters that were carefully designed. mm -hmm. Like a mission I was playing just the other day was escort some colonists off world as, as the Terrans. And you have to like protect this entire like hell's highway. Uh, yep, as, I, no, I totally I remember that mission clearly. It's it stands out in my because it it had all these kind of you know spots and and you you know you couldn't really veer off. The, it wasn't like you could just I'll oh, just go blow them all up or anything like that. Though if you were and really the, good, the, you could. Most of these missions you also could. did let you if you wanted to. You could brute force a solution, but you probably weren't yeah. there. But the the thing about it is, it had this sort of escalation of tension. And it, it, you know, the way the the way in which the you know the 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 mission grew and developed, well, and the way and you were light kind of, is fading on the map, the shadows yeah. lengthen, the night begins mm-hmm. to draw in, and it just gets more menacing. And they did stuff like that throughout the campaign. Remember that dusk till dawn mission, where yep. by day you need to be clearing out like Zerg strongholds, but by night you're under siege from like corrupted like zombie humans. Yep, yep, that and was amazing. The- that was a really good one. And and yeah, it, it, it changed over time. And you're right. I, I would agree with that. I don't think Hardest Swarm had that. I would be, honestly, I'd be surprised if Legacy of the Void had that layer of quality to its campaign mission, because why would they, you know, what's the benefit for them? Why would, I mean, it, it, is is anybody hanging on that tightly for the story? You know, it's interesting. It's 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 kind of nice and you know schlocky in its own way. But it's um, you know everybody knows at this point StarCraft Two lives or dies on its on its multiplayer, and that most people when they start the game they're going to go to the latter because that's who's going to yeah buy it and start the game. So you know what it, it, it in some ways it wouldn't even make sense to me to. You know, focus a huge. It it would be the gray goo mistake to focus a huge amount of effort and dollars and yeah. emphasis on something that really at this point is just sort of secondary. Well, I don't think like I was a little concerned playing the preview campaign too. It's like, oh, Kerrigan's the Queen of Blades again. She's uh, mm-hmm. she's back to being the the Zerg Queen, and and it feels like we've done this plot before it it feels like you know oh, we have to we're, we're this fractious alliance of characters with all this history together not sure we can trust each other but we need to come together to fight the 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 big evil entering our universe and it's like oh man have we milked this like, like it's, i've seen i've seen this done this like i just they, they they've they've drawn some things out way too long um yeah and so I think that's that's another problem, but I I think it does become a problem in that if the if the campaign sucks, it becomes harder to learn the game because while the campaign yes. was nothing like the multiplayer in in Wings of Liberty, it taught you some skills. You had to learn to like, oh man, the Zerg are here, the Zerg are there. You need to be responding to all of it. Here's the pace at which you need to play this game. Here's how you need to think. But it wasn't it was you know it wasn't obtuse about it, and I think that's the problem with it because because the campaigns now feel more like to me like a battlefield campaign. So when a battlefield four, or battlefield three comes out, you might play the campaign so you can unlock some weapons and so you can learn you know your your class abilities. But it's just like 
I mean, I mean, it's so clinical and it's so contrived that you know you're not playing it for that reason. In Wings of Liberty, you could play the StarCraft II campaign because it was a really good campaign. It was a really interesting campaign. And yes, it also taught you the skills you needed to know sort of naturally and behind, almost, almost incidentally in the process. Yeah. Heart of the Swarm was, was a Battlefield Four campaign. It was, you know, it was, okay, here are the new units and here's a scenario where you'll know how to use them. And I, yeah, I think it's going to be Legacy of the Void. I think that's going to be the story. And it's just really not so, like, you just lose interest. Like, I remember the mission where they introduced the Swarm Host is like a cool last stand mission, except you realize you can literally just build Swarm Hosts. Just build a lot of them. Just, just do that. Just do tons of that. That thing we gave you at the start of the mission. Was just that the one that, that was around like a big lake yeah, or something? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's funny because I barely you you know, I barely remember the missions. I mean remember kind of general things from Hard This Warm, and but nothing with the clarity of the two missions you just mentioned from Wings of Liberty. Like those are etched. Those that sensation of playing that is is right there and I can kind of access that immediately. And Heart of the Swarm I'm just like, I think, I don't know, there was like you know, like missions in between where I could evolve stuff. I don't really remember. You know, it's it's not it's not in the same. It's just not in the same class. I I agree with Tom. Yeah, yeah. I I think like I'm I'm so excited for the future of, of this game. I think Legacy actually is a more interesting strategy game. I just feel yes. like, you know, we've been talking about. We've sort of fallen the trap. We've we've been negative for a lot of this show, uh, just <laughs> and I don't want to be. <laughs> yeah, and yet, and yet, and and that's the thing. Like StarCraft Two, I think uh, maybe maybe a, a a global problem for this game is that it always had to be this collection of superlatives, right? Mm-hmm. It always had to be the best RTS, the most strategic, the most demanding, the most skillful. Also, the most lavishly produced. Also, the with the biggest audience. Yeah. Uh, and the problem is, no game can bear up under the weight of all those things. But once you're in this Emperor's New Clothes situation, you can't handle it. When it, it's very difficult to handle once reality starts to set in. Mm-hmm. And I think, in terms of the community, I think that became a problem as as the game sort of started to decline into what was a more natural. Uh, and sustainable level of involvement. I, I think the community developed a problem in that in that regard. But but also <laughs> because I I think StarCraft's problem, one of them at least, is is that it was sort of spurred in some bad directions by that by some of those emphases I just listed. Right? Yeah. Like, oh well it's the it's the most strategic and most skilled demanding game. Well, we should do more of that. We should we should crank that up rather than really look at what's costing you players, which is you've created a game that the way it's meant to be played, nobody can freaking do it. Yeah. I agree. I think it I think it just is I think it's a victim of its own ambition in some ways. I think to your point. You know, at the same time, I think this is this is where I land on on the way I look at the future of Legacy of the Void. Because we just played it and I had a great time, you know, and I lost some and I won some. And I, so I know that's still in there. And I know that, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of energy around what these new units can offer to watching the game. So I think I'm going to just, I'm going to write it out point, you know, yeah. like let's, uh, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm still in. 
I'm going to be there and I'm going to buy it and I'm going to be playing on day one. I'll jump in the ladder and I'll get crushed for a while until that, you know, until the 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 algorithm of the the ladder eventually just wears me down and then I'll go watch it for a while and I'll probably be into it for four or five months, um, which is usually kind of my my way of approaching this. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I, I think I'll just ride it, ride, ride the train as long as I can, can get something out of it and then see where it lands. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. That's where kind of StarCraft fans have to be. I think so. Um, I am concerned, like, in some ways as a community, not well equipped for the waiting game. Uh, I remember on the Reddit, I saw this thread. What are we going to do about people who left the scene? Like this weird, like, you know, well, are we going to allow people? I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. It was this weird, like, are we going to welcome people like Husky back to StarCraft now that they've, like, betrayed us? No, it was weird. It was, like, weird, like, loyalty test shit like that. Like, that that mentality is is zero help to to anything. No. You know, if, if you have a shred of interest in preserving... Or seeing StarCraft to be remotely successful, yeah. or at least you know out there in the world, having even the idea of asking that question is yeah. just as unhelpful a thing you can do. It's just I don't understand. But uh, I'm sure maybe and yeah. So I guess I'm not welcome back. All right. <laughs> Sorry guys, I thought I could come back and play and no, hang out and no, help support you're, the you're game. Not, you 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 left. You you go and go and play your little EU four game. Your little, <laughs> Your little baby game. Uh, no, uh, but but I think, you know, for me, the, the big test is going to be, like, right now, like, right now you and I are playing this game. We'll play together. Mm-hmm. I am curious to see over the course of this beta and in the launch uh, what of our friends will join us and whether or not you and I uh, even, even keep up in between uh, sort of professional obligations to look at it. We will, and I'm sure we will revisit that question because I'm I'm interested to see the answer too. Yeah, I honestly, don't I know, know what I I know what I hope it'll be, but then yeah. there's then there's that feeling I get when I'm waiting for ranked matchmaking to take place, and I realize I want to do something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see, and uh, I guess the future of StarCraft Two is uh, to be determined. Uh, but that does it for our sort of five-year retrospective on StarCraft II and uh, the state of Legacy of the Void. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, some kind of topic. I couldn't... Oh, it's going to be a CK2 Horse Lords, uh, if all goes according to plan. So that's our topic for next week. For Three Moves Ahead, good night. <laughs>